Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are starting into a brand new series of sermons that we're calling Before You Give Up. And if we're being honest with ourselves, we all have to admit that there are times when we have wanted to give up. Now, you may have felt that way after a national tragedy or after a personal tragedy. You may have felt that way after you went through a tough time at home or at work. You may have felt that way in every area and aspect of your life, from your personal finances to your personal relationships. But the point is, we've all had times when we've been ready to give up. And because of that, we all have to learn how we can keep going when we're ready to quit. And that's what we're going to be talking about throughout this sermon series. So let's get right into this first sermon and see how we can keep going when we have situations in life where we want to give up. So as our time together last Sunday drew to an end, I told you that it wasn't going to be long before Easter Sunday was over. I told you that it wasn't going to be long before our service came to an end. I told you that it wasn't going to be long before you went back home and you put up your fancy Easter clothes and you started to take down your Easter decorations. And I told you that when that happened, there was one big question that you were still going to have to be able to answer. And that question is, what day are you living in? What day are you living in? And I told you that you could choose to live on Good Friday kind of days. You can choose to live on the kind of days when violence and hatred always seem to win. The kind of days where innocent people always seem to suffer for no good reason. The kind of days when the problems of this world feel like they are just too big to ever be solved. The kind of days when you know you're going to be overwhelmed by sorrow and despair. But I also told you that you don't have to live in those Good Friday kind of days. I told you that you can also choose to live in Easter Sunday kind of days instead. So you can choose to live in the kind of days where you know that God is at work in our world and that God is working to make sure that everything that is wrong with our world won't always be wrong with our world. You can live in the kind of days where God invites you to join in the work that he's doing as he works to repair what is broken in our world. You can choose to live in a world where God invites you to help fix the problem of hatred by loving your neighbor. You can choose to live in the world where God invites you to help him fix the sorrow in our world by being a presence of joy. You can help God fix the problem of despair in our world by offering hope. You can help God fix the problem of chaos and violence in our world by being an agent of peace. And then as our time together last Sunday drew to an end, I challenge you to live your life on Easter Sunday kind of days. But then Monday morning came. And at 8.38 a.m. on Monday morning, a gunman walked in through the doors of Old National Bank on East Main Street right here in Louisville, Kentucky. He opened fire ultimately killing five innocent people and wounding nine others. All of that happened about 10 miles from where we're sitting at, worshiping together in person right now. All of that happened just a few blocks away from where people who are part of our church family 
go to work every single day. All of that happened right across the street from Slugger Field, one of the most popular attractions in all of Louisville, a place that just about every one of us has visited at one time or another. So when I heard the news about what happened on Monday morning, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken for those five innocent people who lost their lives and for their families. I was furious that yet another mass shooting had taken place in our country and that this one had happened in the city that we love. I was disillusioned because I knew it wasn't going to be long before our political leaders stood up and offered their thoughts and prayers in the wake of yet another senseless tragedy while they continue to refuse to do anything that might prevent the next one from happening. But most of all, I felt like I was drugged right back into a Good Friday kind of world. It felt like everything that is wrong with this world is always going to be wrong with this world. It felt like violence and hatred were always going to win. It felt like innocent people were always going to suffer. It felt like the problems of this world were just too big to ever be solved. And it felt like we were never more than a few moments away from being overwhelmed with sorrow and despair. And the sad thing is, this isn't the first time that I felt that way. I felt that same way less than three weeks ago after the shooting that took place at the Covenant School down in Tennessee. I felt the same way less than a year ago after the shooting that took place at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. I felt the same way after Sandy Hook and after San Bernardino. I felt the same way after Charleston and after Charlottesville. I felt the same way after Las Vegas and after Virginia Tech. And it's really sad that we've had so many of these tragedies that I can use alliteration to prove the point. And I started to feel myself resigning to this reality of gun violence in our world. Now, that word, being resigned to something, it means that you come to the realization that a negative situation that is happening is going to continue to happen and that there's nothing that you can do to stop it. And I think that if we're being honest with ourselves, we have to admit that that's the way that every one of us feels about the problem of gun violence, the epidemic of gun violence that is happening in our nation. Because it wasn't just the mass shooting that happened here on Monday. There was another shooting later in the day Monday. There was one again this weekend here in our city. Innocent lives being lost far too frequently. So there's another way that we can define what it means to be resigned to this reality. We can say that being resigned means that we're ready to give up. And let's just be honest here. We've all had times when we've been ready to give up. We've all had times when we have been ready to give up. You may have felt this way in the wake of a national tragedy or in the wake of a personal tragedy. You may have felt this way after you went through a rough time at home or a rough time at work. You may have felt this way about every area and aspect of our world and of your lives, from your personal finances to your personal relationships. But there have been times when every one of us have been ready to give up. And that's why 
I was already planning on starting into a new sermon series today that we're calling Before You Give Up, even before the events that took place here in Louisville this past week. And even though these events have changed the sermon that I was planning to preach today, we're still going to be talking about a lot of the same things throughout the sermon series. Throughout the series, I want, to talk, I want us to talk about how we can keep going even when we're ready to give up. And we need to talk about this because right now, there are a lot of us that are just worn down by all the problems that we see in the world around us. There are a lot of us that are sick and tired of trying to be Easter Sunday people in a world that wants to keep dragging us back to Good Friday. There are a lot of us that are ready to throw our hands up and give up and just accept the fact that there are a lot of things that we cannot change. But we, as people of faith, we're not supposed to feel this way. And this is something that the Apostle Paul, who's the foremost missionary and theologian of the first century, makes clear for us in a letter that he writes to some of the first followers of Jesus living in a place called Galatia. Now, Galatia was a place that Paul knew extremely well. Uh, Galatia is it's a Roman province. It was located in the central part of Asia Minor. And according to the book of Acts, Paul traveled through this province on each of his three trips as he went to try to share the good news of Jesus around the Roman world. But on one of these trips, Paul got pretty sick, and he actually stopped in Galatia for a period of time so that he could recuperate from his illness. And while he was stopped in Galatia, Paul shared the good news of Jesus with the people there that were helping him, uh, that were helping him recuperate and helping him get better, and he ended up leading them to faith and starting the church in Galatia. But Paul knew that his calling wasn't to settle down in one place. Paul knew that his calling was to continue to go out and to spread the good news of Jesus, to share the good news of Jesus everywhere that he could. So when Paul recuperated, he eventually left the, the city of Galatia behind. But just because he left the city of Galatia behind, it doesn't mean that he left the church there behind. Paul continued to be in touch with the church. He continued to write letters to them, and he was always available for them whenever there was a problem that they were wrestling with. And in the letter that we find in our New Testament that Paul wrote that we call Galatians, the church there is dealing with a pretty significant problem. The church is dealing with a problem because there are people who have come to the city of Galatia that have come to the church in Galatia, and they are telling the members of the church in Galatia that they're not really following Jesus. These people who Paul refers to as agitators are telling the members of the church in Galatia that if they were really following Jesus, then they would also be following all of the Jewish laws and all of the Jewish customs, which the Galatians weren't doing. And not only was the message of these agitators contrary to what the Apostle Paul had been teaching the Galatians all along, it's also contrary to the very gospel of Jesus, because the only thing that's required of us to begin following Jesus is that we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. But the church in Galatia, they're stuck in between what the Apostle Paul has been teaching them and what these agitators have been teaching them. And as you read the letter of Galatians, you get the feeling that the members of the church there are ready to throw their hands up and give up and resign themselves to being stuck between these two camps forever. So I want to share with you today just a little bit of what Paul said to encourage the Galatians to keep going even when they were ready to give up. So in Galatians chapter 6, this is what Paul says. 
Paul says, let's not get tired of doing good. Because in time, we'll have a harvest if we don't give up. So then let's work for the good of all whenever we have an opportunity, and especially for those in the household of faith. So in these verses, Paul tells the church in Galatia, and he tells us that we should never get tired of doing good. Your translation of that passage may say that you should never weary of doing what is good. And this is the first thing that we need to learn if we want to be able to keep going even when we're ready to quit. So before you quit, you need to know that there is always good you can do. Before you give up, you need to know that there is always good that you can do. And we see this reality play out in the story that I want us to take a closer look at all throughout this sermon series. Throughout the series, we're going to be exploring the story of someone who had every reason to want to give up, every reason to want to quit, but he never does. Throughout the series, we're going to be exploring the story of a man named Joseph. And we find Joseph's story in the book of Genesis. Now, we're going to be digging deeper into Joseph's story every week throughout the sermon series. So for right now, I just want to touch on some of the most important things that you need to know to understand Joseph's story. And the first thing that you need to know if you want to understand Joseph's story is that Joseph has 11 brothers. 11 brothers. And even though Joseph has 11 brothers, there is absolutely no question, no doubt whatsoever that Joseph is his father's favorite child. There's no question about this. And this doesn't sit real well with Joseph's brothers, as you might imagine. As a matter of fact, the book of Genesis will tell us that Joseph's brothers hate him because of his father's favoritism. And when the book of Genesis tells us that his brothers hate Joseph, that's not an over-exaggeration. Joseph's brothers sell him off into slavery the first chance they get because they hate him so much. Now, you want to talk about being in a situation that feels hopeless. You want to talk about being in a situation where you're ready to quit, where you're ready to give up. Well, it doesn't get much worse than being sold as a slave. But it actually does get worse for Joseph. Because after Joseph is enslaved for a few years, he ends up being thrown into prison. And when he's thrown into prison, I'm not telling you that he's thrown into a place where he has his own private cell uh, with his own private TV or anything like that. Joseph isn't thrown into a prison where he gets three square meals a day. Joseph gets thrown into a prison that is reserved for the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh's enemies, and they're thrown into this prison so that they will die there. This is the situation that Joseph finds himself in. But even though Joseph finds himself in this situation where he has every reason to want to quit, every reason to want to give up, Joseph never does. And as we look closer at his story today, we're going to see that he always finds ways to do good. So if you've got your Bible close by, let me encourage you to grab it and turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. And we'll take a closer look at Joseph's story together. And as you're finding Genesis 39, I'm just going to point out to you that where we're picking up in Joseph's story, we're picking up after Joseph's brothers have sold him to slave traders, and we're picking up right after the slave traders have sold Joseph to a new master. So with that in mind, let's pick up in Genesis 39. We'll start reading in verse 2. Here's what it says. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, 
and he became a successful man and served in his Egyptian master's household. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything that he did successful. Potiphar thought highly of Joseph, and Joseph became his assistant. He appointed Joseph head of his household and put everything that he had under Joseph's supervision. From the time that he appointed Joseph head of the household and of everything that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's household because of Joseph. The Lord blessed everything he had, both in the household and in the field. So when Joseph is sold to this man named Potiphar, Joseph doesn't quit. Joseph finds ways to do good, and we're told in this passage that God makes him successful. And because God makes Joseph successful, that also means that God makes Joseph's master more successful. And Joseph helps his master become so successful that Potiphar decides to put Joseph in charge of his entire household. Now, the book of Genesis doesn't tell us this explicitly, but it's safe for us to assume that when Joseph is put in charge of his master's household, that he uses that responsibility to be able to do good and to help his fellow slaves, the other slaves that are in Potiphar's house. What this means is that if Joseph is the head of the household, he's able to look over the other slaves that Potiphar, who was a successful military person in Egypt, undoubtedly would have had, Joseph would have been able to make sure that these slaves were well taken care of, that they were well treated, that they were well fed, that they were well rested. So yes, this doesn't mean that Joseph was able to solve all of the problems that his fellow slaves had. He couldn't set them free or anything along those lines. But Joseph was able to do what he could, to do the good that he could, to help other people who were hurting. And when Joseph's life gets even tougher, he continues to do the exact same thing. And I'll show you what I mean if you skip down with me to Genesis 39, verse 20. I'll show you what happens after Joseph is thrown into prison. Genesis 39, verse 20, here's what it says. It says, while he was in jail, the Lord was with Joseph and remained loyal to him. He caused the jail's commander to think highly of Joseph. The jail's commander put all of the prisoners in the jail under Joseph's supervision, and he was the one who determined everything that happened there. The jail's commander paid no attention to anything under Joseph's supervision because the Lord was with him and made everything he did successful. So once again, Joseph is in a situation where he has every reason to throw his hands up and to quit. He has been thrown into a jail where he was expected to die. So the only thing that Joseph needed to do while he was there was to die. And in the minds of everyone in Egypt, it would have been a whole lot better if he just got that over with as quickly as possible. So Joseph has no reason to want to do good, no reason to try to better his situation whatsoever. But that's what Joseph does. We're told that the Lord would continue to be with Joseph, continue to make him successful. And inside of the prison, he becomes so good. He does so much good, becomes so successful there that the warden of the prison puts Joseph in charge. He makes him the supervisor over the entire prison. And once again, we're not told this explicitly, but it's safe for us to assume that as a supervisor in the prison, Joseph was able to do things to help his fellow prisoners. Again, he wasn't able to solve all of these prisoners' problems. He couldn't set them free from being in jail, but he was able to help people who were hurting, to make their time in that prison even a little bit better. So time and time again, 
when Joseph is in a situation where he has every reason to want to give up, to want to quit, Joseph finds ways to do the good that he can to help other people along the way. God wants us to do the same thing in our lives and in our world. When we're in situations where we want to throw our hands up, when we want to give up, when we want to quit, God still wants us to find ways that we can do good for other people in our world. And yes, there are plenty of times when we look at the problems of this world and we think that is just too big a problem for us to solve. There's nothing that we can do to help inside of this situation. We might as well throw our hands up and give up. God still calls us to do the good that we can in the world. And it reminds me of a story that you may have heard at some point along the way. But in this story, there's a man who's walking along the the shore of an ocean. He's walking along a beach. And he's walking along the beach. He notices that there's a boy off in the distance from him. And as he gets a little bit closer, he notices that every so often this boy stops. And he bends over and he picks something up off of the beach and he throws it back into the ocean. As the man finally gets close enough where the boy can hear him, he calls out to the boy, and he asks him what he's doing. And the boy said, well, when the tide came in, it washed all of these starfishes up onto the shore. So I'm throwing them back into the water before the sun comes up, and they dry out and they die. Well, the old man stopped, and he looked up and down the shore, up and down the beach, and he noticed that there were hundreds, if not thousands, of starfish that were laying on the beach. And he looked back at the boy and he said, I don't think what you're doing is going to make much of a difference. The little boy bent over, he picked up another starfish and he threw it back into the ocean. And he said, yeah, but it made all the difference to that one. When we look at the problems of the world, they seem like they're too big for us to do anything with them. They seem like they're too big for us to solve. It feels like the things that we're capable to do aren't going to make much of a difference at all. But even the small amount of good that we're able to do can make a world of difference for other people, for one person along the way. Reminds me of what Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, is famous for saying in the aftermath of these tragedies says, when bad things happen in the world around us, look for the helpers. That's where you see God at work. Well, for us as people of faith, we shouldn't just be looking for the helpers. We should be those helpers. Now, yes, in the aftermath of everything that happened in our city this past week, with the ongoing epidemic of gun violence, it doesn't feel like there's much that we can do. But there is still good that you're able to do in your life. You can do the good of continuing to reach out to your elected officials, continuing to demand that they do something to try to keep another one of these tragedies from happening in yet another community. But you don't have to stop there. You can do other good. One of the things that we've heard a a need for after the care for those people who were wounded in the shooting is for blood donations. If you're healthy enough, if you're able to make an appointment, go to the Red Cross, donate blood to help people who are hurting in this world. There are things that all of us can do when we see problems that are arising around us. And even though we may not be able to solve the entire problem because it's too big for us as one person, we can still help. We may not be able to change the world, but we can make a world of difference. 
for the people that are around us. So this morning, let me encourage you. Because I know, after Easter Sunday, when the Easter Sunday service finished, I was fired up. I was ready to go. I was ready to be an Easter Sunday person in this world around me. And Monday, the wind got knocked right out of me. And I struggled all week long to try to find that same amount of energy again. But I read Paul's words. Do not grow weary of doing what is good. Don't get tired of doing what is good. When the world is knocking you down, when the world keeps dragging you back into Good Friday, don't forget that you are an Easter Sunday person. Don't forget that there is always good that you can do in this world. Never let the events of this world make you want to quit being who God made you to be. Never let what's happening in this world make you want to quit doing the good that God has called you to do. So don't get weary. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep doing good. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, you know how so many of us felt this past week. You know that when we came in here on Easter Sunday morning, God, that we reached up to a high where we felt your presence in our lives, where we could see the work that you were doing in this world, where we were energized and excited to go out and be your people. And then Monday morning rolled around, and we got knocked down. And just like that, all of the excitement, all of the passion, all of the energy that we had to go out and to be your people, to do good in this world, felt like it was sucked right out of us, God. It felt like the problems of this world are too big for us to make any difference with. It felt like violence and hatred were always going to win. It felt like we just needed to quit. But God, remind us that no matter what happens around us, we should never get tired of doing what is good. So open our eyes, God. Let us see the needs around us. Show us ways that we can help. Let us be your people. Let us do your good in this world. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has challenged you to never get tired, never get weary of doing what is good. Because no matter what is happening in this world, no matter what is happening in your life, there is always good that you can be doing. So find that good. Find ways to be a helper. Find ways to help other people when they're going through a tough time. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode, but I want to invite you to come back and join us next week as we continue on in the sermon series where we're going to keep talking about how we can keep going when we're ready to quit. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that next episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app, or you can come and worship with us live on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We'd love to have you come and join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.